Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. for leading me into another episode of the Run to Daylight podcast. Um, glad to be here on a night where the Scott Fish Bowl is continuing to go on. That's going to be our focus. This is the second of what I hope to do a lot of this year, which is I'm calling um, Life in the Fish Bowl episode of the Run to Daylight podcast. We've got three guests kind of doing what we did last night. Um, it's pretty hard to do an overview of a draft for 480 people in a few, uh, you know, in about an hour. So what I've decided is kind of a neat approach is to have different people who make up the, the Scott Fishbowl come and talk about their life in the Fishbowl, how their draft is going. Um, today we're going to be joined by uh, the Casey Kasem, uh, Seth from Fantasy uh, Football Couch Coach, uh, ffcouchcoach.com, which also hosts the episodes of the Run to Daylight podcast, and my sometime co-host and partner, uh, Justin Lanero from Fantasy Goodfellows, will be joining us at 945, and we'll be talking about his draft strategy as well. So we'll be doing that as we delve into what it's like to live inside the fishbowl. Excellent, excellent. So we are now in the fishbowl. In case anyone was wondering, uh, no, that is not a toilet. You will not be flushed down. All right, so I... um, I've had a little bit of a frustrating time with the Scott Fishbowl in the sense that I'm a pretty active drafter. Any of you who have been in MFL 10s with me or any league know, I, I, I tend to stay on top of my drafts, and I appreciate others who do the same. And I just ended up in a painfully slow draft. Um, positives and negatives to that, you certainly have plenty of time to think about your strategy and some of the things that you want to do as it relates to your next pick and to set up your draft. But when you are anxious to see who is going to be on your team and you're hearing that some people are in the 15th, 18th, and there's even one draft that's finished so far, it's a little frustrating to be stuck in the beginning of the sixth round. Yesterday, I didn't make any picks. Uh, today, I made two. So um, that, that's that's where we're at as far as that goes. Um, my little strategy nugget for the day is zero wide receiver. The concept of zero wide receiver, 
zero running back is a big thing. And at some point I want to talk to both people who have gone real heavy wide receiver and why they've done it. And you will hear me discuss a little bit about how I haven't, through five picks, taken a wide receiver. Uh, There's a possibility I could take one this next uh, back-to-back pick. Uh, If you want to follow my draft, I am in the Liam Neeson division in the Ass Kickers uh, Conference. My team to this point is Todd Gurley at 1-1. At the end of the second round, beginning of the third, Drew Brees and C.J. Anderson. I talked about that last night, how um, I was hoping to go running back, running back there, but there was only one guy I thought of value, so I picked up C.J. Anderson to go with Drew Brees. And I took Tyrod Taylor and Jay Ajayi on the 412-5-1 turn today. And the the biggest shock to me is we still really don't have a quarterback run. Um, There are nine quarterbacks off the board. Ben Roethlisberger is still on the board from my top ten. And then all of the guys from 11 to 16 on my list and all the guys, obviously, from 17 down. So I keep waiting for this quarterback run, and it hasn't happened. So that's one of the things that really makes these things interesting is, you you know, my biggest fear coming into this was that I wasn't going to get two quarterbacks, and here it is through five picks. I've got Drew Brees, and I've got um, – so I've got Drew Brees, and I've got Tyrod Taylor, but I – could probably take quarterback quarterback and get two guys I like next time so my strategy of getting some quarterbacks other people have been loading up in other positions so um, that's my biggest um, you know kind of downgrade of my draft where I hear a lot of people are thrilled with their draft so far I'm not unhappy but I would say that this really hadn't gone the way that I thought it would I thought with all these smart people you would have the the pressure to draft a lot of quarterbacks, and so far that hasn't happened. So um, we'll leave it there because we're joined by our first guest, um, Casey, the Casey Kasem. Um, You can follow her on Twitter, the Casey, K-A-C-E-Y, Kasem, K-A-S-E-M. She raps. She plays fantasy football. She's a huge (laughs) Dallas Cowboys and Texas Rangers fan. I will not hold the Cowboy fan thing against her. Um, She loves her dog, (laughs) crappy television, music with banjos, and more up my alley, pizza. Casey, welcome to the Run to Daylight podcast. Very nice to have you on. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to be on here, actually. Oh, well, I'm excited that you're excited. I I don't think I've excited a woman in quite some time. So uh, even if it's (laughs) over fantasy football in my podcast. Yeah, fantasy football, but you know. (laughs) I will take it. I will take it. Hey, you know, um, you know, a blind man sees a little bit of sunlight. He takes it, right? There you go. I'm ki- I'm kidding, of course. So <laughs> I, I would be I would be neglectful if I didn't ask you about your name. Obviously, the famous radio DJ Casey Kasem. I'm 53 years old, so I grew up, you know, with him kind of in the mainstream consciousness. Um, the name, um, is that your real full name? No, it's not. Um, everybody asks me that whenever uh, 
you know, fantasy football season starts up, everybody's always asking me, is that your real name? Did your parents really do that to you? But uh, no, my name's Casey Royer, so everybody gets my real last name right now. Uh, how, do you say, how, what, how do you say your last name? I, you said it kind of it's, quick. It's Royer, R-O-Y-E-R, so everybody oh, okay. gets my last name. Um, yeah, the Kasem is just a nickname that one of my friends gave me back in the day, and it kind of just because your name was Casey, and yeah, yeah of course, absolutely. Uh, and and you're a Texas girl, so you know I I find being a cowboy fan far less offensive if you actually grew up in Texas. Yeah, um, yeah, I grew up in Texas, been here my whole entire life. Uh, my dad's actually from Pennsylvania, so. He's a. Hey, I guess how he, dare he, he, he said he. What, he, what part? He moved here. Um, he lives in Lidditch. I don't know, close to Lancaster. Yeah, so, I've heard of it. Yeah. Sure. So uh, it's yeah. funny because I go by Todd from PA, but I'm actually from New Jersey. But uh, you know, I've I've lived in Pennsylvania for ten years, and I used to call into the serious NFL channel all the time as Todd from PA. So when I started up on Twitter, I, I figured, well, if anyone knows me, they'd know me from that. So um, I, I'm always explaining that, you know, I'm Todd from PA from New Jersey. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I interrupted you a little bit. I'm excited Aww. to have you on. Uh, you know, I, I've got this thing where my mom was the one who kind of got me into football, which in the late 60s was not nearly as big of a thing as it is now. So I always have just like a warm spot for women who are really interested in football and and love talking football. So uh, tell us just real quickly before we get into your draft a little bit about yourself um, and anything that you might want the the people listening to to know about Casey. Okay. Um, I like talking about myself, so that's probably the first thing. Um <laughs> I'm from Texas, like I said, big Dallas Cowboys fan, big Texas Rangers fan. Uh, I am a rapper, like you stated. I do a lot of freestyle rapping, so it's pretty fun. Um, I've I've used Saran Wrap, if that's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that'll work, too. Um, Yeah, I get up, uh, I like to do it like karaoke and stuff and, you know, parties and stuff. I guess people think it's kind of like a party trick or something, so, you know, I'll do that. uh, what else? That's about it. Um, kind of a boring and person you, outside you, of like. <laughs> yeah. Did you and and you got into to uh, kind of this through uh, her fantasy football, right? Um, you're 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 familiar with Brandon uh, Mar- Marianne Lee, and um, is, is that's kind of one of your entrees into the whole thing, correct? Yeah. Right. Um, last year they had a little contest thing going where they were going to select somebody to um, play in the Scott Fishbowl. Um, I just had a comment, you know, on their uh, podcast. I went ahead and did that because um, I listen to them all the time. And uh, I actually got selected, and I got to be in uh, the same division as Brandon because she uh, ended up drafting or getting the Dallas Cowboys as the team that she was going to be reporting on, one of the teams. So um, since I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, they just said that would be the easiest way to do it, um, have me go ahead and go and be uh, in that division with her. Yeah, and, and so, uh, uh, you're back yeah. this year, you're in the mm-hmm. uh, Badass Women, which, you know, I mean, I don't know you that well, but I think that's probably the division you'd <laughs> want to be in. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so, and uh, I think Scott kind of figured that out, too. So. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that's cool. I've always, again, had a 
you know, kind of a soft spot for some badass women. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the men have been the only badasses for too long, and we need some company. Um, so um, <laughs> then you're um, you're also in the I'm looking you up the Angelina Jolie division. And what was your draft position, and who are some of the people that you recognized as uh, from the industry that you're playing with this year? Okay, uh, well, I I was from the uh, fifth spot, so um, and uh, I didn't really recognize anybody that I was um, drafting with this year, which is kind of odd. Um, it is. I'm looking at the list right now, and I'm like, I'm not really... Uh, I know John Moore from uh, Rotoviz. Uh, yeah, I think he's he was, the one that that I probably like knew the most. I didn't really know anybody else until uh, we started following each other on Twitter because of Scott Fishbowl. So now, gotcha. now I talk to a lot of those guys. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't talk to just. I, I've gotten close to JoJo Mags, um, who's it, picks next to me, uh, before me, and after me depending on mm-hmm. the round, and everyone else. I don't, I'm not sure that I want to know other than Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole's good people um, from Rotoviz. He's in our division. But the rest of the people in my division are slow. I That's mean, what I'm about to say. Oh, it's probably because they're slow. That's why you don't want to talk. Yeah, to why would them. I want, you know, you, I mean, look. I, I, look, I get it. You know, people have other things to do with their life other than to play fantasy football. I get that concept, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reasonable human being. But the one thing I don't get is, I see, you know, you can trace how long it's been since someone has checked in on the site and regularly seeing people who are taking two to three hours to pick that they haven't checked the site in 19 hours. I mean, that, that well, but that's, you know, again, it, It'll all be over soon, and we'll look back, and we won't even think about it. So um, you had the fifth spot, and Cam Newton was there, and he was your first-round pick. You know, he went 1-1 in a lot of drafts. Going into the draft, who were you, were, who were you hoping would fall to 1-5? Was it Cam, or did you have someone else in mind? It was Cam. Uh, I did a mock draft, um, and I ended up taking him with the fifth pick in the mock. So it kind of just worked out where I got him in the real draft too. Were you concerned at all that, um, you know, by going quarterback early that you might have some trouble with other positions? Uh, what was your plan and hopes for the second round and how did that work out? You know, um, you got Doug Martin in the second round, which I think is a very solid pick. How did you look at, you know, were you happy to see Doug Martin there? And when you were you looking to get a running back after the quarterback? Was that your strategy? Um, yeah, I wanted to get a running back. Uh, like when I mocked, that's how it worked out. But um, it wasn't set in stone that that's what I wanted. And actually, uh, I saw Russell Wilson there. I was like, do I really want – do I want to take two running quarterbacks? Do I want these two solid guys? Wow, that would have been tempting. On yeah, it would have been, been I was, tempting. It was really tempting, and I know a couple of people who have done that, and their their rosters look pretty good. Um, but I decided well, you, to take Doug you came Martin. Back in the, you came back in the third with Drew Brees, and so you got a, a quarterback. He's not a running quarterback, but you've got a guy in a real good situation and looking at the running backs who went after you, I think you kind of got Martin and still came back and got a pretty good uh, co- you know, uh, quarterback later. 
You followed that up in the fourth round with, I'm looking, sorry, 4-8, with Brandon Marshall, who I think is a very good wide receiver for this. Um, and then you got your second running back with Jonathan Stewart. Through five rounds, were you pretty happy with what you had done? Were there any people that got sniped that you had really wanted? Um, I was happy. I actually really liked um, how everything unfolded. Uh, you know, I took Jonathan Stewart probably a little – actually, we were looking at it this morning at the ADP, and I was one of the first people to take Jonathan Stewart. Um, but I really felt like, you know, he's going to be solid for me this year. Last year was kind of down on him, and then he had a good year, so – Maybe he can do the same for me I this year. I was the same um, way. I, I, you know, he had been hurt so much. Yeah. And, and then he did get hurt. He was the one, you know, it, it, it was like opposite year. You know, uh, every other quarterback but Jonathan Stewart got hurt. So I'm hoping for your sake he, you know, I read recently that his foot it could still be an issue, but um, he certainly is the lead dog there. And in this concept um, and these rules, if, he is healthy and he plays. I mean, he's you know he's going to be a good solid producer. You got Latavius Murray and Jordan Matthews after that. So again, good. Uh, you you went with a pretty balanced approach. Um, Latavius Murray is one of the more polarizing people I think in the NFL this year when it comes to fantasy. You've got people who think great offensive line, really not a ton of people behind him and then you've got other people who think he's an inefficient running back and that um DeAndre Washington will beat him out uh any hesitancy with um Murray or um were you glad to see him there um I mean there was a little bit of hesitance uh just because you know of how you know everybody has different opinions on him but I mean he seems I don't know if you want to call him a boring type player last year where he kind of just, he kind of flew under my radar. Um, but I mean, he produced pretty well last year and he is the lead back. So I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that, you know, it'll work out in my favor. Yeah. I think he, you know, I, I had him and I had a lot of the Raiders in DFS um, during that, that mid period, early to mid period of the year, he got dinged up and then he wasn't as effective as my take. They've upgraded the offensive line. The defense continues to get better. So my feeling is that he is the lead dog going in and he's going to have every opportunity to put up better numbers. And I, I think he's got a very good chance of doing it. So I like that pick for you. Um, you know, Jordan Matthews is a guy that scares me, but in the seventh round, it's kind of hard to argue him there. And then we're going to go down Marvin Jones in the eighth and TJ Yeldon in the ninth. So, and that pretty much wraps up where you are so far. Um, anyone that you really wanted that went right before you, or have you been able to get pretty much a lot of the guys that you want? Um, I mean, there's been a few um, where I'll have them, and I'll be like, come on, come on. And then somebody goes and snipes, snipes them right up from underneath me. Um, you know, I was kind of looking at Tyrod Taylor for a little bit, but I was like, you know, I already have the two quarterbacks. Do I want to go with the third one right now, or do I want to wait? Um, last year, in my quarterback situation was really bad last year, so I think that's what I'm stuck on right now. Um, but, no, I think – 
for the most part, everybody that I've wanted has basically been there. And if it's not them, somebody in the same kind of wheelhouse as them, I can grab. Good. Well, you know, um, I'm I'm glad that um, you're part of this, and I'm really glad that you came on the Run to Daylight podcast. Um, We will, you know, I'd like to have you on again sometime. Maybe, uh, you know, when I have more time, you know, the whole concept behind this is, you know, 10, 15-minute little segments. But I definitely would like to have you on again at some point when I can think of a concept. I I think you seem like good people, and, you know, I, I'd like to help you to get a little more uh, notoriety out in the world of fantasy football. So um, any last thoughts, anything that you might want anyone who's doing this to know, um, any of your strategy going forward as it relates to what you're hoping to, to see or not see the rest of the way, or pretty much any other thought you'd like to give on um, living um, in a fishbowl. Yeah. Um, well, first, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of this. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to come on again sometime and talk to you. Um, you know, nobody around here really wants to talk fantasy football with me, so it's good to have somebody else that I can talk to. Um, Absolutely. That, <laughs> you know, it's really not, cool. That's not a problem. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's really cool to see the women that get involved in the fantasy football community and things like that. And I've been trying really hard to get people around here involved in it, women around here involved in it. So I think it's really cool to see that presence as part of the Scott Fishbowl too. Yep. I agree. And what, you know, one of the things that I like is that Scott also does the whole toys for tots thing. I mentioned mm-hmm. that on the podcast yesterday. I'll mention it again. Um, that's something that I ended up uh, donating a little money to, and I'd like to see any of our listeners consider doing that as well. Casey, um, a a great pleasure having you on. If there's ever anything I can do to help um, you with your journey, uh, stay in touch. And, yes, I I definitely would like to have you back on. Good luck with the rest of your draft, and thanks so much for coming on, okay? Not a problem. Thank you very much, Todd. You're welcome, Casey. Take care. Um, why don't you tell everyone again how to find you on Twitter? Oh, I think we lost her. So we're going to move on, and um, our next guest is going to be someone from ffcouchcoach.com. I write for them occasionally. They also host my podcast. Um, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you would know that I am, um, you know, talking comes kind of easy to me, and uh, I have a way of sometimes talking too much. Uh, Writing, on the other hand, is difficult. It really takes a lot of my energy to get it to where I want it to be. So I've been focusing more of my energy on the podcast than writing, but ffcouchcoach.com is a great site with a lot of really smart, under-the-radar guys who are trying to make a name in the industry. And I'm, I'm very happy to have Seth on. Seth, how you doing? Great, Todd. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm very good. So why don't you give us a short intro on your history with fantasy football and how people can find you on Twitter? Um, you know, I don't know your last name, if you want to throw that out there. Anything that you might want to promote and how people can find you on Twitter. Sure. Uh, my name is Seth Enselman. Um, I'm at Seth FFL, Fantasy Football Lifer. Um, I started playing football back in high school back in 1989, so I've been at this for a while. 
Um, and almost, I've, you're you're at least in the same decade that I graduated high school. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I uh, I've enjoyed fantasy football ever since I started back then. I decided to start my own league when I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, you know did the whole pen and paper route, and it's, here we are today with uh, how big it's gotten. It's pretty amazing. Yep, and, uh, you know, the Scott Fishbowl, you know, I'm really enjoying doing these podcasts and being part of something so big with so many people in it, and I'm really enjoying having different people on coming in to talk about their strategy, how their draft is going. Um, You know, what division are you in so other people can follow you and um, can follow along as we uh, start to go through this draft? Yeah, I'm in the uh, Badass Women, um, uh, Milo Jovovich division, and uh, we've got a pretty strong division. Um, we've got uh, somebody from so-called fantasy experts, Michael Tomlin, uh, Dynasty Football Warehouse, Mike Krafik, uh, Showfield from Inside the Pylon, Aussie Guys, Josh, uh, Jason from Dynasty Trade Calculator, um, Ken Moody you from Dynasty Football. You said Badass Women? Yeah. I'm um, seeing Scarlett, Lawrence, Jolie, Beckinsale, Zaldana. Are you sure it's badass women? Oh, sorry. A- sorry, ass- sorry, ass kickers. Ass kickers. There you go. Yeah. All righty. My bad. She's a badass no woman, but yeah. Hey, how you doing? Anyway. <laughs> yep. That's right. Um, all right. So, um, you're in the Milajovovich. Oh boy, I always have trouble saying her name. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, Mila Jovovich, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I had the one eleven pick. And when you when you found out you had one eleven for this format, happy, unhappy? Um, at first, I was unhappy because I I thought a lot of the or pretty much the top running backs and wide receivers would be gone, so it, it was going to kind of limit my options, but. After looking at the format and the scoring and how I thought a lot of other people would approach it, I pretty much expected that I would be able to get one of the, at least one of the top um, four or five wide receivers for myself and possibly two of my top five. So um, knowing that most likely um, all my top running backs would be gone, it kind of decided me on a different strategy. And normally I'm a zero, not a zero RB guy. I'm kind of more of a robust or heavy running back guy uh, in MFL 10s. I play a lot of those, obviously. Um, but yeah, you've and got, that's what uh, I did last. Not too many people can put me to shame on MFL 10s. How many have you done so far this year? I, I, I saw you're in the top 10. Uh, yeah, I think I've done, let's see, 185 now. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, how many did you uh, do I, last I did, year? I uh, did 101 last year, and then a couple of uh, 25s and some FFC and a couple other auctions and stuff. And Yeah, you uh, beat you me know, out last year. I only did 88. Oh, you were right there with me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, I caught the uh, bug. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a form of a drug. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I always call MFL 10s the one-night stand of fantasy football. You know, you get all the fun that you might want from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, without the relationship. Exactly. And especially today when you've got um, DFS along 
you know, the season-long leagues that I've been playing in for a while. Um, adding more of those season-long leagues just adds so much to your plate. So th- this is perfect for me. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, it, yeah, you know, and I, I just noticed in looking in your division, a guy that I've spoken to a few times, Scott Atkins from Scout Fantasy, yep. is sandwiched in between you. Um, Scott's a pretty smart dude and uh, runs a very good website. So people out there, if you, uh, you know, a little shout out to uh, scout.com and Scott Atkins who runs it. Um, so it's interesting for an MFL 10 guy to start out with two wide receivers, but you took AJ Green and Des Bryant. What were the thoughts on that when, you know, Russell Wilson, Rogers, and a bunch of running backs were available there? Well, like I said, when I started at the 111 position, I thought the only way I was going to get a big positional advantage would be through wide receiver. And then when I went and looked at um, kind of my rankings, uh, projections from uh, various sites and what I had as well and adjusted to this scoring system, the uh, biggest point differential um, advantage I could find was in from the top tier wide receivers to um, – say basically I looked at a 100-point drop-off between like running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers to see where the point was. And with wide receivers, it was coming out between 17 to 22, where that, you know, from first to the 17th or 22nd slot. With running backs with this, I was seeing that there was like 26 to like 30th um, possibility. And with the ADP that they had out this year, um, there was people did a great job with that, by the way. It was amazing to have that. I fully expected that I'd be able to get um, two to three of the backs that I thought could finish in the top um, 20, possibly even top, you know, running back one in the fifth or later. Interesting. You know, I have my MFL 10 journey this year. I figured, you know, the, the underlying math that made heavy running back the way to go in earlier years I didn't Mm -hmm. feel that that was negated by, you know, I looked at all the injuries last year. I mean, I I didn't break even, but I got pretty close considering just, I mean, like I had half my leagues where my, you know, my running backs were just completely wiped out. Um, Same thing. I mean, I was running back heavy last year. I wrote articles on it. That's, I mean, that's the way I thought I believed to win was the best way to win. I still think it's probably um, a little bit, you know, above average on winning percentage um, last year was just kind of unlucky, but I mean, I still, you know, ended up profitable in MFL tens and my other stuff going that route. I think more important is just, you know, picking the right players. Cause even if you, well, that, you know, that's for sure. Whiff. Yep. I agree. And the, and the other thing that I, I would say on that Seth is, um, you know, I changed as I went along in my MFL tens this year, because I realized to me, Last year, I saw the value at wide receiver in, like, Mm -hmm. round 7 through 12, 7 through 13. Right. And this year, you know, my first few drafts, I was going heavy running back, and I noticed I was, you know, when it was time to draft wide receivers, it was guys I liked but that I didn't love and that there was really slim pickings in the 7th to, say, 11th round um, there became some wide receivers I liked later, but I didn't want to reach for them. So I started kind of doing more of a balanced approach with my MFL 10s this year. If I can get that one, that first round, first five or six wide receiver 
match him up with a running back in the second and then get a wide receiver in the third and maybe the fourth and then come back running back fifth and sixth. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like my teams are stronger that way. So I don't want to spend too much time on MFL 10. Mm. You and I could fill up an episode on MFL 10. <laughs> For so sure. I, 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 but my point was that it's interesting that, you know, you went the other way. And, I, you know, look, I, uh, one of the great things about this contest is that the scoring system is so interesting that there's a lot of ways that I think you could win. I, I, yeah, there's I no right way to attack it. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a better way, but you know that. It, but but again, we're not talking about a huge difference. I'm not drafting a lot of wide receivers. I don't have any through five rounds, and I'm not even sure when I'll draft my first one. But right. I do I do think that you know it's interesting that you've come up with that strategy, and I'm gonna. You know, maybe we'll have you on during one of the Life in the Fishbowl episodes during the season because I want to have some of the, the heavy wide receiver early guys on to see how you're doing. You ended up with Alshon at uh, 311, and mm-hmm. then you took Blake Bortles at 4-2. What were your thoughts there? Were those guys kind of the ones you were looking for? Did you get sniped near the end? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that kind of uh, uh, two-piece pickup for yourself? No, I was pretty with that turn right there, um, originally I had thought about going um, C.J. Anderson if he fell there at 402. Um, I was committed to going three wide receivers early, um, but then once C.J. went, there was no other running backs that I was interested in um, that I didn't feel I could you know, get a similar value in a later round for. So I was looking at Cooks, Jeffrey, and Marshall. So when Cooks went, um, it narrowed it to Marshall and Jeffrey. And with uh, – you know, Gino being the quarterback as of right now, and Jeffrey in a uh, contract year coming off injury and his target history with Cutler, I just thought that was kind of a no-brainer, giving me three yeah, wide receivers I, with top ten upside. I like Jeffrey. You know, if he can stay healthy, I think I do yep. like Cooks a little bit better. And Brandon Marshall, it's not like he hasn't been without his injury history. And like you said, there were some issues. And he went to pick after you at 312. Scott uh, also took a tight end there, which, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a big Greg Olson fan this year. I think that, you know, with Kelvin Benjamin coming back and a little bit of natural regression in that offense, I'm just a little not down on him. You know, he's a, he can't argue the pick, but I, I do think that that's not someone I'd I like you said about running backs. I'd rather take. Um, some of the other tight ends that I really like that you can get much later. And you got Blake Bortles. You know, boy, yeah, Blake he was Bortles is – go ahead. He's a top six quarterback uh, in this format – or top five quarterback in this format last year, and he I was in my six, top six but, this year. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yep, I have him – and I have him sixth again this year is what I had him pegged as. Um, and so I thought it was kind of a no-brainer there. That was part of my strategy is, is getting strong – wide receiver, quarterback, core, et cetera, um, getting two of those running backs in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round, somewhere in that range. So I have my two starters there and then just really hitting the upside later. I figured with the core of wide receivers I don't have to worry about um, and quarterbacks, I can really go heavy on um, upside running backs and, um, and maybe an upside quarterback or tight end later. Yep, yep. Sorry, I'm 
sending something to uh, Casey, who was on the show earlier. Very professional. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, you know, that was that was there. You came back and you did take a running back back to back. No, you got uh, one running back with Matt Jones, and then you got Tyrod Taylor at six two. Um, so I, you know, Matt Jones again. All these running backs in this range could be great, or they, you know, or you know, right. there's, there's no running backs almost through the first round, as I talked about with T.J. Hernandez last night. There's really no running back without questions, wouldn't you say? Yeah, this year, I mean, you've got Le'Veon with the knee. You've got um, Zeke's a rookie. David Johnson's, you know, only got a partial season of work in. you got Adrian Peterson, who's over 30. I mean, all of them, Lamar Miller's never had the workload that he's going to have in Houston. So, I mean, all those guys have huge upside, but then that's what I love about the pick of Matt Jones there. He does, too. He's in a probably what's going to be a higher-powered offense. Um, they'll run a lot of plays, and he'll, he'll probably run the rock. 250 times so in this format I thought he was a no-brainer there yeah you know I'm picking um obviously a little earlier than you I get uh 4-12-5-1 and I took Jay Ajayi and uh and Tyrod Taylor so um you know the value proposition there was pretty good for you I think um with you know Matt Jones was pretty close down on my list after that and then you come back at the end of the seventh round with Frank Gore. Followed That's who I was by... hoping would follow when I picked Tyrod. I was praying, really. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, uh, you know, I'm about six picks away, and Gore's still on the board. So, um, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got, I went, I've got Gore two there. picks. He might not be my number one guy, but with you know, um, he's definitely one of the guys that, uh, if he's there, is in serious conversation for me. Um, and again, yeah. I would be taking him a little earlier than you got him. So good job there. And I'm joking. And then you got a tight end in Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz. There again, he's one of the more interesting of the tight end choices. I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if out of that group of middle tight ends he was the number one, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he was the last guy simply based on some of his inconsistencies and the fact that um, his coach, when he was in KC, you know, Kelsey was underused ridiculously. I think some of that was Alex Smith, but you don't have a much Mm -hmm. better – quarterback situation in Philly what were your thoughts I I think the Gore pick was great for this format Um, but I'm I'm a little curious as to your Zach Ertz thought well I think uh, obviously like you said I kind of compare him to Kelsey and I mean athletically and um, in the offense now as well since obviously he's got the coach that coached under um, under uh, geez I'm just blanking on his his name now Uh, Peterson. That's it from Casey. Yeah, Peterson. Um, anyway, so they do target the tight end. Um, maybe we think Kelsey's underused, but he, he finishes with a lot of receptions for a tight end. I think Zerts will get the targets, um, especially with the question marks at the outside wide receiver there. I mean, they have Matthews that they say is going to play from the slot, 
but um, you're talking Aguilar, who's had the dropsies injuries last year, and then the off the field issue possibly this year, and then they um, their other option for their number one outside wide receiver came over from the Giants, and he's never been anything special. So I mean, I think Ertz is in line for a lot of guys, and that's pretty much what you can ask for. And you know, a, yeah, a I, one tight you know, end. It's funny because out of that group, when I started MFL 10s, he was my favorite guy. And then, you know, I read on, I read something negative about him. I thought something negative and I'd, I'd gotten him a couple times. And then I just started waiting a little longer and, and picking up, you know, some of the other guys who I won't mention because I'd like to get them in this draft. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, so I, I'm kind of been off him for a while now. And it's one of you know, those things that na- is nagging at the back of my brain because he easily could be really good. And then I'm going to kick myself because I was on him and then got off him. We're similar there because, um, I mean, and that can happen when you do a lot of MFL 10s like we do. It, you get through and you consume as much uh, fantasy football information as we do. You know, these little blurbs and stuff, you got to kind of sort through those. Once in a while, something sticks with you, and you might get off a guy that you're on, but then, you know, your subconscious kind of figures it out, and then you're like, okay, this is why I was on him in the first place. I'm going to trust that, and you go back to that, and that's kind of where I am with Ertz now because I was on him early too, kind of faded him a little bit, and now I'm kind of back on him again. So, it's, Yeah, that's interesting, and I should have you on for an episode. We could do an hour on uh, MFL 10s without a problem. I think that oh, yeah. would be good because there's a lot of intricacies to it. My number one takeaway with MFL 10s coming out of last year was trust my gut more. You know, consume yeah. information, but don't let people get you off your gut. This is one where it did happen. But, again, I can't argue that with with myself too much because I love the other guys I've been taking. I like Ladarius Green. I like Dwayne Allen. I like Gary Barnage. I mean, those are three or four other guys who I like. And, and, and I've taken, and, you know, I, when I do MFL 10s, I don't only think about, you know, well, this is, I, uh, I, I want to have X exposure on this player and X exposure mm-hmm. on that. I like having, uh, you know, mix my exposure as far as the types of teams that I have. You know, um, like heavy running back uh, early, heavy wide receiver early, a mixed one. And one that I've done five or six times is doubling up, at least five or six times, is doubling up on tight end. Because I really do think in that area of the 8th to 10th, 11th round of NFL 10s, a lot of times the best value on the board is is a second tight end. I agree with you right there. I mean, there's quite a few teams I've ended up going – two tight end this year um, when I drafted any one of the uh, first basically four or five tight ends, maybe even six tight ends, and then paired him with another tight end in the, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, somewhere in that range. I feel pretty comfortable with that, and it gives you an extra slot to use elsewhere. Well, and, um, you know, wide receiver, we always tend to take six of them, if not more. And you and you need three to start. So if one, you know, if one or two get hurt, you still have some decent coverage. Um, a tight end, you know, you can end up at a draft with two. Often I have mm-hmm. three, 
And if I have two that are really good and they end up flexing into wide receiver, that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I don't, especially um, when you're talking some of those top tight ends. They finished uh, scoring up there with the top 24 um, wide receivers last year. So, Well, and that's something I'm considering as we move forward here. Um, obviously, I'm going to need to get some wide receivers at some point, but um, – you know, if it gets to the point where, you know, I want to go running back heavy, but if it gets to the point where, you know, I'm just taking someone because they're a running back versus, you know, a tight end who I like more, you know, I've, I've got to stay nimble. And, and, and I would say that's my other kind of draft strategy is stay nimble in this draft. Uh, don't, you know, have a plan, but also continually Every time you're coming up on the clock, review your plan and make sure that it's the best one. Um, any for final sure. thoughts? Any final thoughts for us, Seth? As um, you know about the rest of your draft. Any final thoughts on the rest of your draft? And after that, I would love for you, if you could, Seth, just to tell us a little bit um, where people can find you on Twitter again and where your mm-hmm. writing is so that anyone who is interested in learning more about Seth can, um, can keep up with you. Okay. Well, uh, two things. One, to hit on a point you just made, um, that pick I told you on Frank Gore there, um, even though I was waiting on him, if Macklin would have fallen one more spot, I would have taken Macklin and hoped Gore fell to 802 then and, and gone Gore then. Just Macklin and the 711 was, would have been too good a value to ignore there. Um, so yeah, I mean, even though I had a plan for Gore there, I would have changed it if I had a value like that show up. You just got to adjust on the fly. And then, um, I started looking at this thing. You play DFS too. This is almost like a GPP, a small one. You, you got to really kind of go swing for the skies and have a little bit of contrarianism, um, to, you know, differentiate yourself and have a, you know, a good chance to win. So this is, that's kind of the thoughts I had when I went into it and, that's how I ended up starting with three wide receivers and came up with this plan. All right. Awesome. So where can we find you on Twitter and uh, what kind of articles do you write? And uh, am I correct that they're found on ffcouchcoach.com? Correct. Um, I'm at Seth FFL um, and you can find them on fancy fans. Sorry. Uh, ffcouchcoach.com and a lot of MFL 10 stuff. Um, has been my uh, forte. Um, I wrote an article last year about my Scott Fishbowl uh, draft last year, uh, which we shared an experience. I believe we both uh, drafted one Arian Foster early and regretted it. Yes. Um, uh, I, but, uh, I, 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 I fostered the people and the people rebelled. Yeah, my first two picks were Arian Foster and TJ Anderson. And I, I almost made the playoffs still, but uh, didn't quite, that that was didn't my uh, that was my nightmare duo from last year too. All right, well, <laughs> Seth, I want to thank you very much for coming on uh, the Run to Daylight podcast, the Life in the Fishbowl edition. Would love to have you back during the season to kind of review some of the things that are going on with you in the fishbowl, and maybe we'll get an MFL ten one going at some point as well. Scott, um, Seth, thank you very much, and have a great night. Thanks a lot, Todd. It was really fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's two down, and we got one to go. And joining us now from the great state of Massachusetts, my sometime partner, 
a great football mind from fantasy uh, diehards or football, football. I'm sorry. Um, Justin Lanero, Justin, I, I, I need a nap. Why don't you tell everyone you where you're from? Fantasy Goodfellows, there it is. Hey, Todd, how you doing, man? Good, buddy. How I are am... you? Good. Footballdiehards.com, they've been around for quite a while, and our podcast, the Fantasy Goodfellas, is, um, well, they, we are attached to footballdiehards.com. As there well you as, go. I got I mean, them mixed up, but it's both. Well, that's right. So the football fantasy goodfellas is our podcast, and they are we are under their umbrella, and of course we're attached to footballdiehards.com with heavy ties to DraftKings. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And no, well, you know, glad to have you on again. I'm glad that we're uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about life in the. <laughs> Fishbowl. Sounds good. Sounds good, bud. <laughs> All right. So, I love talking um, to you. I know, and I and I feel the same way. I missed you. We we both been busy lately. We haven't talked much. You're in a really tough division. I mean, there's a lot of smart people in your division. Matthew Zazula, I had on last night. Tango and Cash. Um, you know, uh, Jacob Rickroad is a very Yep. Yeah, he, and he's on. You know, I know he's been on your show a bunch of times. Um, We're good friends. So, We're very good friends. Yeah, he's a good guy, <clears throat> and you know, you have one of the more interesting uh, strategies that I've seen so <laughs> far. Um, tell me a little bit about the strategy that you had coming in and how it worked. You know, and have you been able to execute versus your strategy that you came in with? Well, first of all, um, I was able to facilitate being in the division with Zazula, Jacob Rickroad, and uh, our show's biggest fan and um, Chaz um, Finn. So it's that's one that's another that's something good about the, the Scott Fishball. Like you nip it in the butt before the draft starts. Scott will, if you have people you want to be in the same division as, he'll, he'll, he can orchestrate that for you. So it's kind of cool. It can be good because you know there's that camaraderie, uh, as being having friends in the same division. Then it can suck too if, if um, you know you're sniping each other and, and which which we've seen a little of. But as far as my strategy, I had a ten and two squad last year. Nice. And I draft I draft I had the first pick last year. I had Julio, I grabbed Julio Jones. Of course we were, you know he he put up similar numbers as Antonio Brown. Then round two I drafted. McCoy. It was the same. You would still get a um, .25 per carry, and McCoy, had, you know, he was all right. And then round three, I drafted Peyton Manning. We know what happened there. And round five, I drafted Joe Flacco, and we know what happened there. And I lost Keenan Allen, but I was still able to go ten and two. Made a pretty deep run, and, but I had D'Angelo Williams. I had Latavius Murray. I had Ronnie Hillman who had over 200 carries and Larry Fitzgerald who performed well in his age. And um, so guys like that kind of and overplayed his for, ADP, you know, oh, you know, time. Fit, he, he, he totally, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I got him by accident in a few MFL tens last year and um, <laughs> boy, I ended up wishing Be- I had more of them. Yeah. Beautiful there. So like picks like that, Kind of compensate. I mean, in hindsight, you look at it and you say, "Wow, well, 
like this year I drafted Carson Palmer round three, and I know like Zazula was like, well, you can't, you think you kind of reach like give me a jab, and it's like, yeah, well, yes, but where we're in a super flex, it's very important to have a couple solid quarterbacks, and Carson Palmer is one of those guys. So I don't mind reaching there, and I, I love kind of like Bob Harris, I think, got Palmer in the fourth in his division. So you, you kind of scratch your head and say, well, maybe I could have waited. But you don't want to end up with the likes of Jared Goff and Brock Osweiler being your two quarterbacks. So I I, I did kind of reach there. But I have – you mentioned my strategy. And um, I'm one of these running back – I mean, you've talked to me enough. You know how I kind of feel about running backs at this point. And I, and I get the whole let's load up on running backs – we're getting paid per carry here. And um, it's just such a volatile position. And they, they drop like flies. Uh, and, you're, yep. and, and most running backs are going to miss a game or two at, on, the, on the short end. And then some running backs, like we saw last year, are going to miss significant time. Jamal Charles, Le'Veon Bell, and put sour taste in our, in our mouths. So, and where D'Angelo Williams hit last year for me, that was able to get him round 11 or 13, I forget. I feel that I'm able to, and I, I saw in this dra- in my draft here where there were guys like Ryan Matthews, Matt Jones, Melvin Gordon, the Frank Gores. There's a whole crop of, of running backs, round eight or nine. And now they don't possess the, the, the appeal that your Todd Gurley's or Zeke Elliott's, um, you know, have – but from a volume standpoint, you know you're still gonna you're still looking at uh, a crop of guys later on yep. that are gonna have 200 and 220 um, carries, and they're I not wanna, gonna have the 10. I wanna, Go ahead. I want to kind of jump in because you 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 know I I don't want to get too far from a thought you know that you kind of hit on three different ways that mm-hmm. is one of my big takeaways of this whole thing so far, you know with different fan groups and SFB 480 chats and things like that and Twitter. I've, you know, I've gotten, it seems like out of 480 people, 420 are real happy with their first, fifth, or five, six rounds, and maybe yep. 60 people are saying they're unhappy. Well, we all know that that's not going to be the percentage the way it ends up working out. You know, right, half right. the people make the playoffs, half the don't. So my mm-hmm. key takeaway, which you hit on four or five times here, is how you draft that second half of the draft and your mm-hmm. strategy for round 10 and on is just as important. And I agree with you. I wouldn't have taken Carson Palmer there. But you know what? I can't say that it, it's in, a, in, a, in a, a wrong move. You know, I had a couple quarterbacks ahead of him that you could have taken. I was looking at mm-hmm. your draft. But the difference in points per game that I'm projecting between the guys I like better and, and Palmer was one mm-hmm. point a game. That's it, yeah. Well, one point yep. a game. So we, we get mm-hmm. all wrapped up in this, uh, well, you know, the ADP on this guy and, the, and this and that. But, you know, the difference between, you know, say a Drew Brees, I have a 21.1 points a game, and he's my fifth guy. Carson Palmer is my 10th guy, and he's 20 points a game. I mean, we are talking about one point a game, and if your comfort level is with Carson Palmer, 
and you feel that you know he's going to be healthy and he's got the weapons and it's a good offense, then then I think you know sometimes we make too much of these early picks when it's the back end of the draft that determines who wins, and you proved that last year. Yeah, I did, and like I said, I mean, I, in hindsight, could I have waited for Carson Palmer? Absolutely, but when I look at when I view Carson Palmer. I, I look at the talent surrounding him, and I think we all know that it, he looks like a 30, 35 touchdown guy, per, permitting he stays healthy. That's exactly what I want to kind of, you know, build a foundation around, especially in this format. My second quarterback, coincidentally, has a I was I got kind of lackadaisical, and, and I grabbed Andy Dalton. The reason why when I grabbed Dalton, I didn't want to wait because it was going to be a, a long way back. So, you know, but to, it's I can't emphasize how strong you know. To have two solid quarterbacks, like because now we're a couple rounds ago, everybody was gone. I, I did grab Paxton Lynch as my third, um, and ho- and I think he'll be the starter in Denver eventually, probably sooner than later. But it's very it's very important to me. So you know, and and, and real quick, I thought I was on the phone with Emil Cadlick today. Um, who owns FantasyFootballDieHards.com? He's owned a couple high stakes leagues, and he mentioned a guy by the name of um, Schroeder. And I, I've heard the name, and I guess he's probably one of the more high stakes players in the in the country. He's, he has a, in fact, he, I guess he has a staff that works with him on and dr- drafting. I mean, it's creme de la creme. But my point is, he puts aside ADP and, and stuff like that, and doesn't put too much emphasis on. If he wants a, a, a player. He's going to grab a player, regardless of what so and so on yeah, Twitter and Matthew is going to say. Yeah, and Matthew Zazula says the same thing, and he plays high stakes. I've always felt yep. the same way. It's the the smarter the people you draft with, the sooner you need to take the guys yep. that you really like. Because if if yep. you're a smart guy and you really like someone, guaranteed out of twelve smart people, there's going to be one or two other guys who really like them as well. Yeah, one of my he's a close friend. Matt Cizula is one of my closest friends in this industry, and as well as Jake Rickroad. And I, uh, I appreciate that Scott Fish was able to throw us into the same division because it kind of trade text back and forth all day long. And why'd you go here? By I'm the way, you're, this... you're on the clock. <laughs> I just noticed you're on the clock. Well, my my phone did uh, just. Um, well, I'll pick when I get <laughs> off the phone with you. Well, but, I mean, you know, I think I think it's great that you got uh, you got ODB in the first round at one nine. You you had to be happy there, and then you came back around and got AJ Green. So you got two stud wide receivers and a quarterback. And uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know I've talked a lot about how all these running backs, whether it's Todd Gurley all the way down to Matt Jones, they all have questions. So, yep. you know, I, it's hard for me to argue, you know, picking your guys with questions later than sooner. It, it and, and only time will bear out who made the right choice. But, again, I guarantee you, I know you'll probably come on one of my life in, in the fishbowl during the season. Uh, and oh, yeah. we'll talk about how the guys who are killing it are the guys who killed the 10th to the 20th round, not the guys who killed the first six rounds. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the, and the fact that I, I was able to land Demarius Thomas round four, and then Macklin uh, later on after after four. I mean, you're, now when you talk about Odell Beckham, you're talking about ninety plus receptions, almost you know probably ten fifteen touchdowns as a lock. Same thing with AJ Green, 
two top five wide receivers. DT is not far removed from that list as far as I'm concerned. And Macklin is about as steady as a wide receiver as you're going to get, 85, right around 1,000 yards, 8 to 10 touchdowns. And then Treadwell's my fifth guy, and I can start all five of those guys every single week. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm smiling as I say this because it's, you know, it's, it's star stud. And I get the whole half point um, per reception format thing, but I, I don't look too deep into drafting the running back because as you, if you look at my team, I do have Matt Jones. Do we know a lot about him? No, but we know potentially he can be a volume guy. And then I handcuffed him with the rookie Keith Marshall who had drafted and I, I was able to steal Danny Woodhead late. I love Deion Lewis, um, you know, high volume in, uh, guys in terms of the receiving game for the respective teams. And I drafted Devontae Booker, who the, the Broncos are keen on, despite throwing a lot of money at C.J. Anderson and, and Kenneth Dixon in a crowded Baltimore backfield. Who Alex Gallhoff well, from NFL.com loves name drop. You know, that's one of the things that I wanted to just jump in on is, you know, you guys are much further along in your draft. You've got a lot of those 10th to 15th round done already. And looking at, yep. you know, your, your season is going to come down to, you know, if all the top running backs stay healthy, the, the, mm-hmm. the odds are a little bit stacked against you because yep. the running backs are going to outscore wide receivers. But yep. if we see what we did last year and you get lucky and a Devontae Booker and a Kenneth Dixon – and uh, you know, and you and and you have one of the two options in Washington. You know, you're going to be able to roll out three, four good running backs, plus have those stud wide receivers. And that, if that, if that comes and plays out, you're going to, you know, you're going to go far in this thing. Right. And even if they, even if the running backs, you know, like you said, if they stay healthy, that's fine. I feel like a running back like Devontae Booker and Kenneth Dixon will carve out a role at some point in the season. So whether C.J. Anderson's healthy or Justin Forsett stays healthy with Buck Allen, Kenneth Dixon's going to have a role in the Baltimore backfield. Booker will have some type of role in Denver. Um, And, you know, I think Keith Marshall will have a role in Washington. Like I said, I handcuffed him because I don't know a ton about Matt Jones. Not a lot of people do, but it looks like it's his job to lose. So there are guys, and of course, Danny Woodhead, you know, he led the league in um, targets last year amongst running backs, so he could probably rest assured he'll have 70, 80 receptions there. I'm fine with him in the 10th round, or I think I got him around the 10th round. So the nitty and gritty, this is the the trench work. You're doing the heavy lifting at this point in the draft because this is where you try to differentiate yourself and – you know, get some of these younger running backs who may have a you know have, have a lead role later on in the season, or they might be a part of a committee um, from Jump Street. We don't we don't really know because it's it's July. Yep, I I get it, and uh, you know, always a pleasure to have you on. Who uh, who who's set up for your next show? Uh, who's coming on, and uh, wh- what's going to be going on over the next couple of weeks with? Uh, the, with the good fellows. Well, we had on Matt DeLima from Scout Fantasy last night, and we talked some quarterbacks with him. It's kind of it's one of the, it's a, it's a time where you know you can get away with having light shows and and just kind of going over certain things and keeping things very basic because there's not a lot of revelations in terms of the the 2016 season. So things will definitely start to heat up 
more come August, and we'll probably be cranking out. You know, I have a ton of guys that I want to have on. People from there are guys from four for four, um, the football guys, Rotoviz guys. We're gonna. Have, I mean, we'll be loaded. And you know, as once the DraftKings prices come out, you know, then we'll we'll, we'll really have some of these guys like J- Jordan Toline, who, who, who you had on your show. Um, you know, and we'll talk. We'll start to talk about week one prices with some of the best DFS minds. Um, yeah, and in then the there's industry. also the the preseason games. You know, preseason yeah. is a great time if you can have some guys like Pat yep. Thorman and uh, yeah. uh, Anthony Amico on. Those yep. guys help me win a, a good bit of money in preseason DFS. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, talk about like preseason such horseshit. Um, well, horseshit, I suppose <laughs> I can say. Up until hey, then, I'm on iTunes you... now. You got to keep it clean. Oh yeah, that's I'm that's kidding. true. And congratulations on that. I did see that earlier. Um, I'm gonna I want to I'm gonna yeah. tweet that out to because um, that's important. I, in fact, I'll, I'll talk to you after. And yeah, the show all about our you. old episodes are now on iTunes. I'll, I'll I'll tell you there's there's um a level of importance there, um and and the timing where you're on now. And I'll, I'll actually I'll talk to you about that after the show. But yeah, so the so DFS is kind of given a revitalization to preseason football. I mean, it's, it's funny what, you know, DFS is, it's enhanced golf, you know, NASCAR, um, you know, Every it's, sport. It's, it's funny. Every sport. Yeah. I mean, I'm following yeah. baseball again after 13 years of yeah. not following it. And, yeah. uh, you know, even though I don't know the ins and outs like I could or should, I'm still mm-hmm. breaking even playing baseball. I've had a couple big wins. And it's fun. Yeah. Every night is fun. You know, I'm playing anywhere from 10 to $30 a night and mostly <laughs> GPPs, and I'm having fun. And, it's, yeah. you know, that's the thing that people don't get is, yeah, anything can be addictive, right? I mean, anything oh, yeah. can be addictive. Any, You know, oh, yeah. is there an element of gambling to it? Well, I know that the sites wouldn't like us to say it, but, you know, anytime you can lose money, there's an element of it. But it's also a tremendous amount of fun. It greatly enhances both your desire to watch the sport as well as mm-hmm. your desire to learn more about the players. Yeah, I can, and, and, the, and the energy, you know, I can feel it coming off of you with fantasy sports just about every day. I, I woke up and I saw you on Twitter. Come, you know, you're kind of, I could tell you were kind of upset this morning going, Gee, some of these drafts are late, and here I am, and I, I know how anxious and eager you are to to, to draft. And uh, you know, I, I feel like you're in a division well, of kind you know, of creep, to me it's, creeping it's along. Common courtesy, you know, it's know. common courtesy. If you're in a draft, and I see guys who haven't checked in on the site in 18, 20 hours, you know, I mean, it's it, it you know, and you see guys who check in, and that the, that they're two picks away, and then disappear for nine hours. You know, I, yeah. I mean, to me, that's just rude. I mean, if uh, I don't mind if you need, you know, look, we all have lives. If you need nine hours, go. But if, if I'm two, three picks away and I know I'm not going to be near a phone or a computer for nine hours, I'm going to pre-draft. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you know what, though? I mean, on a positive side, this draft that wrapped up today, um, you know, they're going to be seeing all the tweets for the next few days, maybe even a week of other people drafting. They're probably going to, like I said to you earlier, they're probably going to wish they were still drafting. So, you know, kind yeah. of savor the moment, savor the moment. Enjoy Trying. Well, if you look at my post, it was deep breath, deep breath. Because, yeah, I mean, but you enjoy know, it. It is enjoy easy. It. 
Yep. And you can get pissed Absolutely. off. Nobody wants to. It's like playing golf behind the Golden Girls. I mean, you know, and you get stuck behind them. You want to, you want to hit the next the ball from the fairway or wherever you are, but you got to wait because they're up there, putting around. But I mean, this is something enjoyable. So instead of you know rush, 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 I think it gives you a little more time to analyze, you know, your next move and and um, you know and what's going on. So uh, we're hey, in a steady clip, I, and I, I like I that. I got a, I got an idea. Um, <laughs> Shoot. If you're up for it, and uh, we'll fin- we could finish up with it. Um, you're on the clock now. Why don't you take everyone through some of your thoughts and make your pick live? I can do that. Let me let me um, get on the. Let me get on here. I'll, actually, I'll do it on my phone. So I'm. So I, I have. I mean, I don't want to pressure you at all, but I think no, it, it no, would be kind of no, cool. cool. No, it's cool. And I just got a text from Zazula saying. OTC. See, that's what you're doing. I'm not, and I'm not afraid to like. I will DM anybody and everybody that's in my division. And just write OTC. Hey, bud, you're on yeah, the clock. Yeah, Scott asked us along. not to, and I'm well, so you know it's my first year, so you know I'm trying no. to respect Scott's uh, edict. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a pain. I'm a pain in the ass. But it's just a. It's not like come on. Man, I never would. I never like, would have guessed that. It's more like you know, let's get going here, and um, you know, take your time, but you're on the clock. So I have three quarterbacks, <laughs> Dalton Lynch, Dalton Lynch, Palmer. You're fine with that. But where Dalton and Palmer have the same buy, I had to go get Paxton Lynch. Otherwise, I'm going to be quarterbackless week nine. And I'm actually, I'm playing Jake Rickroad. He pointed it out that I was pretty crippled week nine. And he's the and luxury he's of playing like me. he's got like 30 quarterbacks. Yeah, and I don't want to be a cupcake. You don't want to have that week. Like, I have like five guys on the buy. So I'm, I do have – six running backs and I have five wide receivers and one tight end. So I, I, yeah. I really try to balance it out. Um, yeah. I, if it was me, I certainly would be seeing if there were any tight end values available, you know, yeah, um, and I can't see. Sucks. Why does tight end uh, suck? I love tight ends. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I, it's just one of these positions where unless you're paying a premium for Gronk, who I think is, kind of overvalued at this point in time and Jordan Reed was nimble and, and, and always hurt and and Greg Olson I mean is, is the epitome of what you want um, but after that it really gets bleak um, not for me and he, I, I love and I love the 8 to 11 round tight ends and I love some of the late guys 14 I know you like McDonald's 16. Oh, Mc, but the McDonald's guy that right? I'm really on, you know, uh, and, and and guys in your division might not like me for saying it, but if Jordan Cameron's available, I mean, here's a guy who was a fifth-round pick two years ago. I was off mm-hmm. him. He was an eighth-round pick last year or ninth. I was off him. But now with Adam Gase coming on, who throws so much in the red zone, um, a big tight end target like Jordan Cameron that you can get in the 16th, 17th round of MFL tens. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll quickly look up my. I've been I've been stacking my uh, my Jordan Cameron ownership a little <laughs> bit lately. He's just another guy that just can't. He just cannot stay healthy. He couldn't stay healthy in Cleveland. The talent level's there, and I think we gravitate towards athletes like Jordan Cameron, but. His health well, history has it, always concerned me. And there's no doubt about it. He, it. But Jordan Reed has, you know, obviously more talent, but he's mm-hmm. got the same type of concerns as far as concussions oh, yeah. go, and and people are yep. okay taking him in the second, third, fourth round 
uh, mostly the fourth round. You know, if you tell me that you're scared of Jordan Cameron's concussions in the eighth to twelfth round, I can say, yeah, I hear you. But, um, you know, when I'm staring at the guy in the 14th, 15th, 16th round, I mean, even if he gives me five, you know, five good weeks in an Adam Gase offense, um, You're fine, yeah. second or third tight end, um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, you're not paying that premium you're going to have to pay exactly. for, for Jordan it, it, that, Now you're talking about the upside. You know, if he gives you five, six weeks, you know, at in the 15th round, you've gotten fair value. But if he, you know, but he's also got that other gear where if he kind of turns it on, you know, if he's healthy all year, I've got 17% ownership in him at a 158. Um, you know, so you're talking 15th round, um, I mean, 13th round, uh, you know, I've got him 144, 156, 14th round, uh, little behind his ADP, but I really think he's a guy who could um, put up some numbers. Who, who, who's who's out there that you're looking at? Uh, let me stop talking and let's find out who else is. No, no, there. it's fine. I, it's fine. I'm, I was just I'm looking at tight end, and of course that's bleak at this point too. And I, Hunter Henry, who the, who the Chargers drafted, I think maybe to like follow in the footsteps of Gates, who I drafted pretty late, and I'm. I'm Content with Gates uh, as a top ten, top twelve guy. Um, mm-hmm. I could kind of hand, I could kind of handcuff Gates because we know he's ran into some injuries later uh, in life. So Henry, the rookie, uh, meh. I do like Richard Rogers. I think he showed some flashes last year on a on a mediocre Packers offense, even though they got Jared Cook. But I think it's Richard Richard Rogers will be the guy that will that Aaron Rodgers can focus on in the middle of the field and in the red zone and we did see that last season um so i'm right now i'm looking at richard rogers because i i think we're going to see the the packers offense we've been used to seeing over the last uh, couple years aside from last year and i can't get enough running backs at this point in time i'm jonathan williams from buffalo neither of those guys inspire me too much uh what other positional guys and values do you see out there well, you mentioned me need, the need for me to grab a tight end, so I, I was just and I yep, do need a absolutely. tight end because I have a fifty-year-old Antonio Gates. So now I'm at, at the running back position, which I'm of course this is where I've been loading up, and I, I'm I'm seeing like a, a Alex Collins. Now we're in round sixteen. There's some buzz about Collins taking some carries from Thomas Rawls. I'm I might be fine with that. I might be fine with Carlos Williams, who, who you know showed some flashes. Um, when Shady McCoy was hurt or, or did some vulturing. I do like Blau Powell, Shane Vereen's there. I mean, running back is deep, Todd. And I think a lot of people hit the panic button, and this is all the more reason why I don't think you need to jump on a running backs, you know, really, really early. And I don't know really what the expectations for a guy like Todd Gurley, who, I'm, uh, who I love, I just don't love his team or situ- situation that much, but I can get, well, so you know what I, I'm gonna I, do? I'm I get gonna... it. I mean, oh, I you get it. believe me. I, you know, again, taking Gurley was a calculated risk at one, one, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I just, again, what I love when I draft is I love guys who, you know, I think have a reasonable expectation of making their draft position 
um, and then have that extra gear. And the extra gear I see in Gurley is a guy who got 10 touchdowns in a year where, you know, on the same team with the same OL. And, is, you know, people say rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback. But, I mean, he can't be worse than Nick Foles and Case Keenum were last year. And then you add the fact that he's on his second year off a major injury and you often see running backs get a huge bump that second year. I mean, I'm taking a calculated risk that we're going to see, you know, an Adrian Peterson in his prime type year out of Gurley, and he's the only running back I could see who could do that. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I mean, you could make the argument for Zeke Elliott having a better off, a lot better offensive line in Dallas. There's no and doubt. And, and 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 if someone takes Zeke Elliott. You know, at or Le'Veon Bell, if you want to go running back at one-one, uh, you know, I don't think that, uh, I said this to TJ last night. I don't think there's a wrong answer out of those top three or four guys. No. You tell me you like no. Bell, Gurley, Peterson, or Elliott, or even Lamar Miller as the number one guy. I mm. think you can make an argument for and against each of them. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I that batch there, I think I I feel the most comfortable with Lamar Miller, with, with the experience, and I think he's probably on the more balanced offenses of those three teams. But, yeah, Zeke Elliott is going to eat, and Jerry Jones is going to want to show off his shiny toy. So, shiny you know what? Toy. I'm gonna, well, that's what he is. I mean, he's got that arrogance. He's going to want to show off his 21-year-old bell cow and just watch him run behind that. The best offensive line in football where Todd Gurley runs behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. But, well, you know what, I'm going to draft Alex Collins here as just kind of a flyer. You know, we know what Seattle does. We know they're going to run the football. Rawls has had some injuries. He goes down, next man up type deal. All right. Of course, CJ. So that's that. This is cool. This was fun. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no worries. Um, You're going to let that pick ride. We're going to head out. We thank everyone for staying and listening to the Run to Daylight podcast. We're going to go all the way back to the 70s, Bachman-Turner Overdrive, and we're all going to let our picks ride while we listen to this song. Justin, thanks again for coming on. Anytime, Todd.